Have you got your Bibles? Now what were we talking about last time? Good authorised version. Um, you'll notice. What were we talking about last time? You remember we've been talking about your attitude determines your altitude. Attitude, altitude. Alright? Um, we then looked at the problem of, of sickness and disease and how there's a lot of people that don't um, get into life because uh, and they don't, don't get healed because of various reasons and I want to go on tonight and, and talk about there's two main uh, views of, um, of sickness and disease and both are wrong uh, and because of that I thought I'd start with that uh, to help you uh, I find always when you talk about healing and you talk about deliverance people all have ideas and when those ideas are wrong they get themselves into bother turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9 there is a type of person who says look healing comes because of the word and therefore all you have to do is accept that the atonement was in Calvary and everyone should be healed and it's a very cruel kind of teaching because it leaves people who aren't healed in a quandary and so I want to deal with that first in Hebrews 9 verse 26 you'll find for then um, talking of Christ for Christ is not entered verse 24 into the holy places made with hands which are a figure of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us now Christ appears for who? for us now this is talking to, about Christians nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself now Christ once suffered that was it and when he suffered and I'm talking about Jesus Christ the human Calvary God man came suffered death once he tasted death for every man now it was to put away sin and the consequences of sin are a lost humanity which affects my body my soul and my spirit we're a tripart being and your body's affected by sin your soul is affected by sin and your spirit is dead because of sin but when you get born again you come into life and it affects you from the inside out and basically your life transforms and body soul and spirit you're redeemed and Jesus Christ came to save us from the consequences of sin and that does include your body but if you take it in a legalistic form 
without faith, you end up bringing condemnation because it then becomes a formula. And that's what a lot of people have got into and that's where the kind of rhema teaching comes from. There's no difference between the word rhema and logos. Logos is the word, rhema is the word, and in actual fact, they're interchangeable in the New Testament. All right? But here it says Christ came, and the consequences of sin, and you'll find over in Romans chapter 8. Flip there. Romans 8. says this in verse 2 for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath set me free from the law of sin and death now there's a law and death is part of that law the law of sin and death and sin has a consequence not only do you die in your spirit but it produces effects in your body that's fact. God did not create disease. What happened, disease came by the fall. And God never intended it. The whole of creation groans and travails. The fall affected things. And when Jesus Christ came, he came to restore and deal with the consequences of sin. And the consequences of the fall. I want to tell you in the first creation there was no sickness disease when God created everything it was good all right hello you with me so far you've got to follow this because it's going to get nitty and gritty further on all right so when Jesus came he made it very clear the kingdom of God is among you and when the kingdom came, he healed all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. And disease and sickness was always a part of his ministry. Always. There was never a time when Jesus got up and just taught doctrine. He always healed the sick. He always delivered the captive. It was part of his ministry. As I say to you, and I would always say, if you go to a church where there are no miracles, forget it, you haven't found a church yet. Any ministry that doesn't have miracles is not a ministry from God. Because miracles are part of Christ. Always. And there comes a problem because a lot of pastors then have to explain why people don't get healed. And then they have to apportion blame or they feel they do and they write books trying to explain why what should happen doesn't happen and God doesn't intend us to live like that and there's a lot of confusion in people's minds well you know if God healed everyone if healing's in the atonement then everyone should be healed and so they get themselves in a terrible quandary and then they start on well if I'm sick then what sin is it that's still remaining that leaves the sickness in my body or they get even crueler and tell people ah well if you're sick God's dealing with you 
it's God's dealings and when the sickness has performed the great act and virtue that it's going to bring into your life then God will heal you that is blasphemy the idea that our God who loves us would somehow try and destroy our bodies in order to perfect us is absolute blasphemy as far as I'm concerned there is nothing good about disease at all never has been never will be I hate it I hate what it does to people I hate what it does to families homes lives disease is awful isn't it hmm? any form of sickness you've only got to go into a hospital and see the suffering of mankind or go around the world and see the suffering it's an evil thing disease should be hated by every Christian it never does good never it kills it destroys it robs that is what the devil's work is to steal and to kill and to destroy and we must always look at disease from that perspective it comes from the pit it doesn't come from God ever is that plain don't ever let anyone tell you oh well you know God sent it to perfect you it doesn't perfect you it messes you up sickness never ever made anyone good because I believe Jesus came to redeem me body soul and spirit don't you hello and if it's body soul and spirit hey it's the whole man he's concerned about the whole man uh, and one of the um, pressures that come is because people are afraid to preach the gospel now what happened as I was saying uh, in the second century they started having a problem because disease came in Carthage and what happened when, when an outbreak of plague came, Christians died and they had to explain why Christianity didn't protect them from the disease and as many Christians died as heathens. And so they started with this pernicious, foul, filthy doctrine that, well, God is sovereign and sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. And they cast um, the thing out and the church then began to say, hey, you know, healing isn't a normal thing, but up to the second century, miracles, raising the dead, healing the sick, delivering the captive, was a normal part of the church. It was in the second century they went into apostasy. And they tried to give reasons and excuses for people dying. Now, if plague comes you've got to remember that rain comes on the just and the unjust doesn't stop it coming but what does happen is the Christian is given the umbrella alright the Christian has a God who heals the heathen doesn't the Christian has a God who's supreme and what happened was they'd begun to get into legalism and gone away from truth and so they began to make up doctrines 
And the more they made up doctrines, the further they went away from Jesus and what he taught, the way he was. And God came to heal me, body, soul and spirit. Hmm? He wants to save the whole person. Now when disease comes, I need to rise up and realize, hey, this is an affront to God. This is something God does not like. I'm a child of God. This is an intrusion of the enemy. Time for war. Hmm? Hello? You agree? You're all so far so good. You haven't hit the bottom yet. So far, so good. It doesn't mean... Uh, and, and let me make this very plain, it doesn't mean because disease hits you that you're some awful sinner. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is salvation because the rain comes on the just and the unjust. But what it does mean is you've got a God who heals. You've got a Lord, if, if, if sickness comes, you, you've got someone you can turn to who's faithful and true. And that is the wonderful thing. Isaiah... 53 Isaiah 53 He is despised and rejected in verse 3 Of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief And we hid as it were our faces from him He was despised and we esteemed him not Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted But he was wounded for our transgressions He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Do you notice healing comes before all the iniquities were given or we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Healing often came before forgiveness. Healing was part of what God intended for all of us. Uh, God never ever intended we should be sick it's not God's purpose never God's plan God hates it I hate it too I find it um, sickness and disease very repugnant don't you? Huh? in any form hey uh, an affliction of your body robs you of life it robs you of freedom it robs you of joy it robs you of everything God hates it. And if you start looking at things from God's perspective instead of yours, you go back to Isaiah and you read it, and then you'll read over in verse, um, let me see, uh, verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities, and so on. But you notice, the great thing is healing. Hey, with his stripes we were healed. It happened 2,000 years ago. Healing was part and parcel of the gospel. It was an integral part. It wasn't a separate part. It wasn't an add-on. It was part. So when people in the early church 
went to meetings, the first thing they expected was miracles. They expected to be healed. They went where they knew. When Peter went along and visited a city, they took everyone that was sick just so that the shadow of him passing by might overshadow them and they were healed. There was an expectancy amongst Christians in the first century, in the second century, that miracles would always be there. And the enemy of our souls has somehow perverted and the strongholds of Satan are always in the mind, they're between your ears. He's perverted and lied to people and he attacks continuously the one thing that's so important, miracles and healing. Because if you take away the supernatural, all you have is dogma, doctrine, teaching, but you don't have reality. And so the enemy of our souls has worked assiduously to destroy the notion that I should expect God's salvation to work through my whole being. You say, well, a changed life is a miracle. Fine. But if your body's sick, man, you need more than just your body touch, don't you? Your, your soul touch, your spirit touch. You need your body touched. You don't need someone to tell you. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I, I, you know, I don't believe healing's necessary until they get real sick. Then all of a sudden they're crying out to God. Huh? Hey? I remember when I was a young man, 23, 24, why do these silly old people get sick? You know? You don't need to be. There's a gospel there. God heals everyone. And it's easy in the strength of youth to look round at people and say, hey, you know, what's wrong with them? But as your life goes on, uh, and you grow and you develop, hey, have you noticed you get sick? How about it, don't you? And then suddenly you know what miracles are. Whereas young people, they might not want them so much. Us oldies need them. Hmm? And some young people need them. But you begin to realize as you get older, the enemy has a way of working on your body and you've got to repel it. It's an attack of the enemy. It's not a blessing to be ill. It's a curse. And Jesus Christ became a curse for us. Disease is robbing me of life. And I have a right to believe my God who took it into his own body. And if he took it into his own body and suffered once for all, then I have a right to believe him. The miracle power is available for me. Hmm? Is that fair enough? Or are you one of the people who said, Ah, oh, yeah, but it might not work for me. It won't work for you. I'm coming to that. I'm coming to your excuses in a minute, see? 
Because there's always excuses. See, the way the devil works to rob people of truth is he gives them plausible humanistic reason. And plausible humanistic reason isn't good. There are people sitting here who are already thinking of their excuses and arguments inside. Some of you, you've got an argument already going on while I'm speaking because you want to defend your position. Well, what about so-and-so? What about, so what about this? What about that? Goes on inside you. That's why the devil talks. And some of you haven't learned to shut up his voice. And some of you have never learned to still the devil and listen to God. Done. Say, oh no, it's just my natural thoughts, is it? If it's contrary to God, you want to learn to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Every single thought. If you don't do that, your mind is a plaything of the devil and so is your body. Attitude determines altitude. Uh, and it's amazing how people get the wrong attitude. Get the wrong attitude and you get in an awful mess. Got to change it. It's called repentance. You get the other side of, uh, of the equation. People just kind of take those scriptures and say there you are and I dump them on people and people get condemned there's nothing wrong with the scripture but you've got to see how you work it and how you apply faith and how it operates and then you've got the other group of people who say they, they go to Psalm 107 let's take Psalm 107 see Psalm 107. Verse 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. You've got the other kind of teaching which says, oh, well, uh, one type saying, well, it's in the book. Therefore it should work. The next type is, well, he sent forth his word and he healed them, which is true. And so if someone isn't healed, it's because God didn't send his word, and because God didn't send his word, therefore they're sick. It's not their fault, because faith is a gift of God. And if God doesn't give you the faith, then there's nothing you can do. And so, for those people... They wait like the man who waited at the pool of Bethesda for an angel to come down and touch the water and at the stirring of the water and when Jesus came along he said well I've got no man to put me in. You know when, an when the angel comes another steps down before me. Hello? Now you've got people in this congregation 
who are like that, you see. They sit waiting. They're waiting for some miraculous stirring in their spirit, some angelic visitation. And then they think if they just move at the right time and get there quick enough, it'll happen for them. Well, you know, God's sovereign. Because God's sovereign, well, I'm waiting. And when you come and you're waiting, and you sit there and you say, well, you know, God sends his word and heals, and God hasn't sent his word, but it's already sent. Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He sent forth his word and healed them. But if you don't receive the word that he sent, that doesn't mean he didn't send it. It means you didn't receive it. Huh? You see, it's possible for a word of God to come, but you don't receive it. Jesus said of the Pharisees, <laughs> he said, you won't receive the words that I speak there's spirit and life. said, so you won't receive them. He came unto his own, his own received him not. There was a sense in which man has a choice. And Christians have a special choice. Do you know, you can hang on to disease and sickness and incapacity and inability because you love it. It's convenient. See, don't demand faith to live with sickness. I mean, boy, you can take advantage of it, can't you? It can give you value in life. People look after you. Well, you know, poor person, sick. Well, as I say to people, if you're going to die, at least die standing up. Don't lie down. Fight the good fight of faith. Hey, if you get sickness in the right perspective and you see it the way God sees it, it'll cause you with every part of you. If you've got breath in your body, fight it. You don't want to give your life away to the devil. No area of your life is no right to it. You want to live. You want to live a full life, full of joy, full of hope, full of faith. You don't want to surrender any part of your being to the devil. If he's come to steal, you tell him, thief, you don't have a place in my life. You're not going to rob me. Now that's an attitude, isn't it? Hello? But it's the right attitude to take. I've got a right to help. I, I think one of the things that too many people do is they sit back and they say, well, let's give in. If your arm hurts, why use it? You know, don't cause pain. But I tell you, if you don't use it, you lose it.
say, well, there's time you need to rest. All right, but there's a time you need to strengthen your body. I remember uh, Oral Roberts, one of the nice things about Oral is he's very, he's very honest. And the reason in, in the university over there, he's so concerned about the whole man and about exercise being part... And that's why I've made sure if you want a degree here, you're jolly well going to have to do the physical side as well as the mental side. I'll tell you why. Because he had TB. You all know his story. God miraculously healed him of TB. The one thing was, in those Pentecostal days, they didn't tell people that physical exercise and sport was a good thing and ignored their bodies. So, because he spent the trouble with TB, he was in bed and in hospital, he never developed his body and got back the muscles and the, the strength in his skeleton and the strength in his bones that he should have had had he had a normal life. He lost it because of the TB and he never regained it or worked on it and developed himself. And he realized that if he had done that, a lot of the problems in later life he got wouldn't have been there. Wasn't that he was ill. It was just he didn't put into his body the things that he needed. Worries me when I see young people who don't exercise, don't get fit, don't do physical exercise. I tell you why. You look at them and they, you say, oh, well, they're a bit obese. Yeah, but they're storing up for themselves a hell later on in life that they needn't have at all. It's not the devil. It's them. And Christians want to wake up to the fact if you have a car and you don't service it any time and you don't look after it, what happens to it? Huh? breaks down and all sorts of things go wrong and you say well I didn't know if you don't put oil in an engine what happens in the end it's going to seize up hmm? there's things you have to do to keep it running right and there's things you have to do with your physical body to keep it running right and old people when they get older, they just give in. They say, well, you know, it hurts. So what do they stop? They stop exercising, they stop doing this, they stop doing that. Well, I can't lift weights because, you know, it puts my back out. Well, get your back strong. If you didn't do it when you were young, then you've got a problem. Body, soul, and spirit. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Was that clear? Oh. Huh? Common sense, really, isn't it? Except it's not common. They say, oh, it's sovereign. Look, health isn't sovereign. Health is something you can do something about. What I want to say to you all, look, you can do something about... You, you, if you realize the devil's robbing you, if you know a thief's coming to your house, don't you sit up and say, I'll wait. I'm going to stop them coming. You do something about it, don't you? Huh? Don't say, welcome. Come in, help yourself. 
Well, what about your life, your body, your health? If you can't do something, then you're determined to do it. I remember, uh, you know, and I can speak from my own experience, it's not some theory. When, when I came back from Argentina, my wife had cancer in Argentina, and I came back and I ended up in, I got a viral infection, I ended up in bed in hospital, couldn't understand what was going on, and they said to me, oh well, it's going to take you two years. You're going to have to just put up with it, lie down, you're going to have to take total rest, you're going to have to rest, you're not allowed to get up, you're going to have to lie there, and I couldn't get up. I couldn't think right, I couldn't do anything, my mind was in a fog. Now if I'd taken their advice, I'd have let the devil rob me. I'll tell you what stirred in me. I'm not giving two years of my life to anyone. And least of all the devil. That's my view of sickness. I'll tell you what I did. As soon as they went out, I got out of the bed and I managed to get to the end of the bed and back and I laid down exhausted and I got up again and I went, they said, total rest. I said, hey, my muscles, my body needs life. When I could, I walked across the room and I walked back to my bed and I laid down. When I could, I got up, got my dressing gown on, I was down the corridor, back to my room. I was going to get my body back. I was not going to give up two years of my life. Why? Because the devil comes to rob and to steal and to destroy. And Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. Oh, but don't you know you'll make yourself worse if you exercise? Well, I'll tell you what I did when I could go down the corridor and get back and go up and down there. I started going around the building. It was in the summertime. I went out in my dressing gown and slipper. I walked halfway around. There was a chair sitting there and I just sat there. Couldn't go any further. Then I'd go back, get to my room sit down, then I'd get up again, go out, and I kept on and on and on. Why? Because I wanted my life back. See, to me, it's war. I fight that in the same way I fight anything else. Because Jesus Christ has made provision for me. If I'm going to die, I'll die standing and I'll die fighting. But I'll never die lying down. And that's my view of life. God put within me a desire to be a winner, not a loser. Just part of my being, I suppose. But it's all to do with faith. I didn't lose 
two years and then start struggling and spend the rest of my time as a cripple and an invalid. My, what a filthy thing. How dare the devil try that? I lost two or three months. By the time my wife came back from Argentina, I was home. And when I could, I just walked across the building. I preached. If I had to hang on to the pulpit, I hang on. The, but I was called to preach. I'll preach. Standing up, sitting down, lying down. I'm doing what God told me to do. Why? Because God gave me life. And that has to be part of your being. Inside yourself you fight and that has to be the stirring in your spirit you say well I, I can't help myself you'd be surprised your attitude is determining your altitude and some of you have not only hit the earth and hit the dirt you're about to go under it And Jesus came to give me life. And life more abundant. Hmm? I can stand up. I've done it. See? And I haven't had to do it just once. I've had to do it with my family. God gave me a life. Hmm? God's given you life. He loves you. He's on your side. Is that right? Yeah. Hey, if you can start seeing it from God's perspective, the devil comes to steal. The devil comes to destroy. The devil comes to kill. Jesus has come, you might have life. You want to get angry with disease. You want to get angry with sickness. I got angry with it. I hate it. I tell you, when I pray for people sometimes... I hate that thing that's in them that's destroying them. Jesus hates sickness. He hates the devil's work. It's evil. Disease is evil. You tell me when you've found a disease that's good. Say to the patient, oh, so glad you caught that, it'll do you good. It's evil. Hmm? Oh, it's in my genetics. Well, curse your genetics because they're your enemy. Change them. So you can't change them. Oh yes you can, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away, all things... Hey... Do you believe that? I do. In life, you can succeed at anything if you determine to. The only failures are people who just are lazy. They sit down and do nothing. They become failures. God wants us to have good success in everything we turn our hand to. We're to fight the good fight of faith. We're to rise up I can't stand it when I see people bow and worship their disease. 
How do you worship your disease? Why? You give it deference all the time. Well, you know. You mollycoddle it so you can keep it. God wants us to hate it. God intends us to fight. Let me go on. Um, turn with me to Romans. Uh, no, turn to John 30. John 5, verse 30. This is a statement from Jesus. He said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Uh, Jesus said, I don't do anything of myself. I only seek to do the will of the Father. When he was on earth, what did he do? He healed the sick. When multitudes came, he healed every one of their diseases. He came and said, when he sent his disciples out he sent the 12 out first then he sent the 70 out he said wherever you go what do you do what do you do heal the sick deliver the captive tell them the kingdom of God has come is that right in fact he never sent them out and said preach well tell them the most important things are changed life never said that sent them out said wherever you go heal the sick let them know the kingdom of God has come and so healing was part of Christ's ministry and Christ was saying hey I only do the father's will and father's will has never changed the church of Jesus Christ on the earth should be a church of healing and miracles all the time, every time, anywhere. And every Christian should be going out and the message is our Jesus has come to deliver us body, soul and spirit. He's come to set us free. He's come to deliver us from the tyranny of the devil. From all that destroys and hurts and vexes, my God has come to change it all. He's come to give hope where there's no hope. Come to give life where there's death. Come to break the chains of sin, of disease. He's come to loose us. But you see, a lot of people just don't accept that. I mean, now you just pop a pill. Go to the doctor, pop a bill. You don't have to take care of yourself. For goodness sake, there's drugs who do it for you. But you don't have to have a lot of the diseases you get if you'd only discipline yourself. Hey, the devil's out to destroy and Jesus has come that we might have life. The church, in the early church, they said in James, is any sick among you? Any speaking to believers if they are 
call for the elders, anoint them with oil. It wasn't normal for a Christian to be sick. A mature Christian understood there was a God in heaven who intended him to be well. Disease and sickness comes from the pit. That's where it comes from. The devil has no rights. Jesus said, All authority is given unto me in heaven, on earth, under the earth. He bore my diseases. By his stripes I was healed. That's the truth. I believe it with all my heart. I hate disease. Hate it. I hate what it does to people when they allow their lives to drift wrong. The love of money is the root of all evil. Love of money. What can a man give for his own soul? God is calling us to something better. You know, a Christian church would be a church that in the community is a health-giving church, a life-giving church. And all the people there need to know. Now, for a Christian, there's something different from the world. The world comes and, hey, miracles happen. They're walking off the street, as I said on Sunday. People walking off the street get healed. You'll sit there in your bitterness and your misery because, basically, you're a Christian. And there's certain things God expects of you. And you'll find that in John's Gospel. In, in Romans, rather. Go to, with me to Romans, chapter 10. Romans 10, we've just finished in John. Romans 10. Verse 6 says this, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. Do you know there's a lot of people waiting for a visitation from heaven? <laughs> there's a lot of people waiting for Jesus to somehow come up from the dead. They're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for this manifestation of power. Well, don't say it. Don't ask it. That isn't what it's about. Hey, he's here. He's alive. He's risen. He lives in us. We're alive in him. You don't need some person to bring down Christ from above and you don't need someone to raise him up from beneath. He lives in you if you're a Christian. You're alive. You're not praying, oh, you know, Lord, 
total deception. What saith it? Verse 8. But what saith it? The word is where? What does that mean? <laughs> it's in you. Where is it? It's in your mouth and in your heart. Where's the word? In your mouth, in your heart. So why are you trying to get something from heaven? Why are you waiting for some divine thing to happen when the word is already there in your mouth and it's in your heart? The word is nigh you. Where is it? In your mouth? In your heart? Well, see, so many people, they're trying to get some great experience. You don't need that. You need to know in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And what do we preach? That if, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. If you confess that Jesus is Lord over your disease, over your sickness, over your sin, over your bondage, over your need, over your finances, over your circumstances, over your problems, you declare the sovereignty of the living God. He's Lord of all. If you'll start confessing it with your mouth, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now the word saved there is sozo. It means healed. In the rest of the New Testament, it's translated mostly healed. But in the translation, this translation, they translated it saved because they didn't like miracle power. But that's what it means, healed. You'll be healed. If you'd confess the Lordship of Christ, instead of believing the Lordship of your disease, instead of believing the power of your sickness, instead of believing the power of your failures, the power of your sin, the power of your problem, why don't you believe the power of God? But it takes more than believing it, you've got to confess it with your mouth. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. You're going to be healed. Now that doesn't mean, I say, oh, I, I know he can. <laughs> that is the problem with most people. They know he can, but. And then they become goats instead of sheep. Oh, but this, but that. I believe it. Confession with the mouth. Belief in the heart. Hey, there's no one here that doesn't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, is there? You believe it in your heart, don't you? Hello? 
You know it's true, don't you? It's how you became a Christian. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That means you open your mouth and you speak it out. Doesn't mean you sit there and say, oh, I believe it deep down. You look at your problem, you look at your disease, you look at your sickness, and you declare the Lordship of Christ over it. You look at your problem right in the face, and you declare there's a God in heaven that's more mighty, more powerful, more omnipotent than any bondage, any sickness, any disease that you've got. You're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you believe in your heart. If God raised him from the dead, he can raise me up. He can loose me of every fetter. He can heal every part of my body. He can. It's not about, uh, 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 you know. Well, I, I know he could. But you see, confession means you don't just confess it with your tongues by saying it. It means that you go out and live it. From this day on, this disease doesn't have control of me. God does. He's my Lord. I'm getting up. From this day on, I'm not giving in anymore. I'm living. Death does not have dominion over me. Christ does. Sin does not have dominion. Christ does. Hmm? Circumstances don't have dominion. Christ does. That's confession. And you live it. Hmm? Then it goes on. Look. Look at the scripture. For with the heart man believeth into righteousness. Whose righteousness? Why? His. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. He's righteous. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Same word, into healing. <laughs> it's the mouth confesses into life, into healing, into deliverance. Body, soul, and spirit. But people don't do that. Uh, I don't feel very well. Uh, well, you know, it hurts. Well, I've got this disease. It's called arthritis, so I go walk nice and slow. I tell you what you do, all you do is you give your body away to the devil. He robs you. You know, doctors give a disease a name, and with the name they give you a coffin. Now I'm not saying there aren't diseases, I'm just telling you there's a better name. A name that's above every name. His name is Jesus, and he came to save his people. Huh? 
Well, I'm just a believer. You know, you say, well, you know, well, what about people who aren't healed? I'm telling you how to take advantage of the truth. If you want to live in defeat, and you, you can get robbed of life easy. The devil's got ways of doing it. You know, sit at a computer and you type away all day and then you say, I've got a pain in my neck. I tell you what, do some exercise. Get your body moving. Get your frame going again. Oh, but you don't understand. I've got this. You soon won't have the problem. I went to, to America. I don't know when it was. Last month. Last month. When did we go? November. The doctor had said to me, well, he said, you, you, you know, it's going to be six months to two years before you can play golf. What did I do? I put my golf clubs in the plane. I only broke my wrist. I'll tell you what I did. First thing I went, when I got there, I went to Walmart. So I looked for some wrist support strap. I put them on. I said, that's it. My wife said, are we going to play golf? I said, we are. Down I went. Strapped up my wrist. I was going to hit that golf ball. It killed me. It didn't. I enjoy it. I might not have hit it as far as when I'm 100% fit, but I could still beat Colin. Couldn't beat Richard Roberts, so. but uh, I will this summer. I tell you what, what do I do? I tell you, I've got some weights in my bed. I, I get them out and I just bend it back, I, I get, I'm getting the use of my wrist. I tell you, every day. But you see, the only way you're ever going to get your movement back is not by saying, ah, it hurts. But you, you get weights and you, put, you get the weight, you get it moving and you do violence with it because I want to I be able to swing a golf club because no one can get to heaven if they don't play golf. <laughs> no. That isn't correct, actually, but you know. I, I, I want to get out there and exercise. I want to get my life back. Because it's part of my life. And hey, devil, you've no right to rob me of anything. Say, well, is that? Yeah, I believe if I enjoy it, it's part of life. Why should I give the devil any right to rob me of anything? say well eh, you know that's not my attitude it, you know people have told me you can't do this you can't do that you can't do something else if someone tells me I can't I say I can my God is able hmm? you say well that, that you know it's not mind over matter matter of its attitude determines your altitude devil tries to ground you you say no why not hmm see what a challenge there is in life if you look at it as a competition between God and the devil, 
and you're on God's side and God's on your side and hey he wants to restore everything that the locusts have eaten he wants to give you back everything he wants restoration body soul and spirit and the devil wants to convince you it can't be but my Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart you're going to be healed boy the word isn't somehow getting God down from heaven or bringing him up from hey the word is night it's already in your mouth it's already in your heart it's just you don't speak it because the devil's transfixed your mind and told you you can't have it, it can't be for you. You've got to wait till the moving of the waters. You've got to wait till the word comes. You've got to wait, you've got to wait, you've got to wait. But I tell you, you'll be dead waiting. It's already been done, it's already given. That's the truth. Time to take hold of yourself. Challenge the devil. He's no right. Why give him your life? No, it's not that I'm against medicine. Fight disease with everything. Fight it with medicine if you have to. I'm not saying that don't use it, but I'll tell you this. If you use medicine, don't become a slave of it. Jesus has come to give you your life back. He's come to destroy the works of the devil. And if anything's a work of the devil, it's disease. My Jesus is manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Hmm? Verse 11, what does it say? For the scripture says... Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Hey! If you believe in the Lordship, the power, the power of God, the Lordship of Christ, His resurrection, you won't be ashamed of confessing right now. That's it. And from that moment on, you don't give it any inch in your life. Now that's a Christian way to live. Another way of living. Oh well. I believe in God to intervene. I, I hope you'll do something. I pray. I'm talking about faith, the word of faith. That's nigh you. Hmm? All gone quiet, see? told you I was coming down this is a Christian way of living it's not God's sovereign this is saying to you 
you can take advantage of what God's given. Huh? Money in the bank. But it's not going to do you any good if you don't go get it and use it, is it? Hmm? Provision is there. It doesn't do you any good. Do you remember the story back in the Old Testament where those were, that there were lepers were, and they went out and they found the enemy had fled? And the camp was there and the food was there and everything was there. I find Christians are like that. And they're saying, Lord, come. Lord, please help me. Help me. I tell you, Jesus has done everything he's going to do. The only thing he's waiting for you to do is rise up and do something yourself. Don't think you've got to get God down from heaven. Don't think you've got to bring him up from earth. Where's the word? It's nigh you. It's in your... And in your... Well, isn't that easy? From this day on, these things aren't going to hold me. From this day on, this sin is not going to beset me. From this day on, this problem's not going to have power over me. From this day on, this disease is not going to have its right to me. I've got a right to life. Jesus promised. If I'd confess him as Lord, if I believe it, glory to God. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Hey, isn't that easy? See, it's so easy, Christians miss it. They come out and they want me to do magic. Well, I'm not a magician. Yeah, there are times when I get a word of knowledge, I see a stranger come, God says he'll get a miracle today, and I know he'll get a miracle. But for a Christian, it's different. You've got responsibilities, the gift's yours, you know Jesus is Lord. Hey, you were forgiven your sins, you know that he took your sicknesses and your diseases into his body, Healing is in the atonement, but he expects your response. And what is your response? Oh, Holy Spirit, come. I'm waiting for the anointing to come. I'm waiting for the word to come. I'm waiting for faith to come. And God says, you've already got it. Where is it? It's nigh you. Where? In your mouth, in your heart. So you've got all you need, haven't you? Well, haven't you? And I know my faith is such, but you see, if you live by my faith, you've got to rely on me. If you live by your faith that God's given you, it's much easier. And it's less work for me. And I'll be grateful. Where's the word? Nigh you. It's in your... And in your heart. And God says, if you take that, he said, you'll never be ashamed. He that believeth on it shall not be put to shame. I believe it. I'm, I'm a believer in this book. I really, I, <laughs> I, I, I got excited when I was started thinking about it. 
two types of people. There's the people that say, oh, it's all in the book, you see, it's in the Bible. And, you know, uh, uh, and then there's the other type, God's sovereign. God heals whom he will. And then the Bible says, yes, he is sovereign, he is Lord of all. Now, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, something's going to happen. Hmm? Choice, isn't it? Hmm? Hello? Hello? I know it's true. It's true. Doesn't mean you sit down and you expect God to do it all. No, now he's given you the power so you can do it. And then he says, go and tell everyone. Hey! You can be healed. You can be made whole. Go and tell everyone there's a God who heals. God who delivers. That, that's a good message, isn't it? It's gospel. Good news. Where's the word? Nigh you. Where is it? In your mouth and in your heart. Some of you, you're not getting a miracle because the word that's in your mouth stays in your mouth and the word that's in your heart you never use. It says if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. It's not just say it, you've got to confess it. Hmm? And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And when he raised him, he raised you. Resurrection life. Believe those two things. Man alive! The power of heaven and earth is on your side. The creator of heaven and earth is there. All authority is given to him. Amen? Isn't that good? The devil's in trouble. Because suddenly you realize everything that robs you of life, that robs you of health, that robs you of freedom, that robs you of joy, is from the devil. Now it's your enemy. You're going to make it your enemy. He came to kill, he came to steal, he came to destroy. Jesus has come that you might have life and more abundant life. Amen? All right? Have you all got that? Now you see, it doesn't say, if the pastor lays hands on you. Now it does say, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I do. But tonight, the word is nigh you. It's the word of faith that I preached. Okay? Where is it? In your mouth and in your... And then it tells you how to use it, doesn't it? What have you got to do? You've got to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus over the things. And then you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And when he raised him from the dead, he raised you from the dead. Because you died in him, you're risen in him. says in Romans, chapter 6. Okay? Hey, there's no excuse, is there? 
to whom are you going to run and don't you wake up in the morning and say oh dear you find things you shake them off and you say devil you thief you liar you murderer you're getting out of my life why Jesus Christ is Lord his name is over all and you start living it get up determined you can get up determined to win or you can lie down and die so oh, well you know I'm just waiting for God you see you see Lord once a year something happens and the angel comes and stirs the water but then someone gets down quicker than me and what can I do I've been lying here 30 odd years and no one's ever put me in and I'm never first and therefore other people come in and get healed I see them come from all over the place they come in they get prayer and they get healed and here I am sitting here I believe everything but nothing happens to me why the words nigh you it's in your mouth it's in your heart you've never used it I'm waiting I'm fasting and praying for revival we'll stop it have a good meal it's over the words nigh you where is it in your mouth and in your if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you are going to be healed body soul spirit there's power in that to heal you devil has lost his rights all authority and all power has been given unto the king of kings and lord of lords you're confessing it all right Jesus told me to go into all the world and make disciples. That means your job is to make disciples. Tell you the people, come, get healed, come, get met. God, God wants to change everything. All right? Hello? Now, it doesn't mean that you won't have to fight along the way. Yeah, you will. If you lose some ability in your body, it's going to take you a little while to get it back. If you don't use your muscles, you're going to have to build them up. If you've overeaten, you can have to change your lifestyle, aren't you? Hmm? But now you've got the power to do it. Why the words nigh you? It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Now let me say about medicine, I believe in medicine. It's a help, but it's only a help to get you well. But it won't change your lifestyle. And lifestyle got you sick. So lifestyle has to change for you to live well. Is that plain? Huh? We were never meant to be couch potatoes. We were meant to exercise. 
we were never meant not to use our bodies we were never meant to overeat we were never meant to overindulge we were meant to live the way God intends us to live hmm? now you can recover every part takes time sometimes but that doesn't mean you haven't recovered it from day one day one you confess with your mouth Lord Jesus you're over this you believe it in your heart God has raised him from the dead and in that resurrection is my health by his stripes I was healed I'm having my health devil you're not going to steal from me anymore Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm telling you, it'll change you and you won't be ashamed of confessing it. That's what the Bible teaches. And from this day on, live good. Okay? Let's all stand. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for each one here this night. Lord, the word of faith has been spoken. Lord, there is no one here who hasn't heard. And I pray, Lord, this night you'll release them, body, soul, and spirit. Let them see that the enemy has no rights. You are Lord of lords, King of kings, almighty God. You're over everything. You're through everything. And Lord, you're risen. I curse all pain, all disease, and all sickness this night. I tell you, there's a greater than you. His name is Jesus. You have no rights over anyone. My God is all-powerful. Amen?